Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and with Lockie in Europe at the moment, thought I'd jump on, do a bit of a quick match build-up show. I'll answer all of your listener questions and preview Carlton's big clash this Sunday against the Fremantle Dockers. And as I said, it's a bit of a big game in the context of our season. We've had back-to-back wins. There's a bit more confidence back in the players. And I just really think that this contest this Sunday will really give us some great insight into where we are right now, whether that kind of faint hope of finals that's just there in the background, whether that continues to grow or whether it goes back to just not existing completely. But let's start and get into this, where we love to start in our boot-up shows, in the what do we want to see from this game. And without Lockie here, I want to know your thoughts. I want to know what you want to see from this game. We take away the win because clearly that's what we want to see. But what else do you want to see? Is there one thing that when you're sitting there before this game starts, you're going, this is what needs to happen this week? Let me know if you're watching on YouTube. Drop it in the comments. If you're listening to this in podcast version, head over to socials at Navy Blue Corner, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, threads. We're on there now. I don't know how long that thing's going to last, maybe a week. But if you want to contact us on threads, go for it at Navy Blue Corner. Let me know what you want to see from this game. But mine's pretty simple. It's... I want to see us continue to take this game on and try to keep playing this fast, free-flowing footy, the quick handballs, and particularly the selflessness of the team. I'm noticing the last two games against Gold Coast, against Hawthorne, there was his willingness to run for each other, to put on blocks, to be the option, selfless leads that was creating space forward of the ball. Everything was really good the last two games. I want to see that this week. But in particular, I want to see it when the pressure's on. When Fremantle, they're a lot better team than the teams we've played against last two games. When the pressure comes, when Frio get a little bit on top of us, I don't want to see us go back into our shells. I want to see us play this style of football. I don't want to see the Carlton of the past 14 rounds before it where all of a sudden we can't get the hands on the footy. We play this slow, kick, mark, boring game style. No, we need to take the game on. When we're under pressure, what Carlton is there? And that kind of leads to really the main bulk of this chat of the Fremantle build-up show in it's really hard to know what the real Carlton is. Is it what we've seen for the majority of this season or is it the last two weeks? I don't know because... You can easily argue and say we're over this hump now. The confidence is there. We're playing a brand new style of football. But was it just the opposition? And and there's still so many question marks on us. We really haven't been put under that pressure and seen whether we can continue this style of football, which again goes to that, what do I want to see? I need to see us do it when the chips are down. And I think, yeah, this week and particularly next week is when we're going to find out the most about this group and, and what it means for our season if we lose, does it mean we're back to square one? Does it mean that it was just due to the opposition and that's why we're playing such good football? I don't know. For me, it's not necessarily just about the result. I need to see the way we play football. We're going over to Frio. They're not the best side. They're okay. Definitely been playing better football than us. It's a way which makes it difficult. If we're serious, we win this game of football though. So it's about the performance. We can't go into our shells. We can't go back to the way we were playing. And if Freo just happened to be the better team on the day, but we have tried our hardest to continue to play in this free-flowing, taking-the-game-on-risk football, I don't know. Then it's what what happens for the rest of the season. 
Do we keep building? Do we get enough wins to to show enough? I don't know. But if we win this, and, and as I'm saying, like if we're a serious footy side, this is the game we need to win because you look at the wins this season. Really, Geelong's been the only one that's been a team really fighting for finals. It's been what? West Coast, Hawthorne, Gold Coast, North, GWS. That's not good enough. The team's around us competing for finals every single time that that test has come up we haven't won we've failed that test and and Freo is a team that we should be beating they're for me a bit lower than those real finals contenders so for me I think we have to win but you know until we start beating these teams it's really hard to convince me and I think others watching listening that this Carlton's turned a page. And so that's why I'm kind of building a bit of importance into this. Maybe too much. I guess we'll see. But Freo's going to be tough. But we have always shown that we can get the job done. We've had some really good wins over in WA against Freo, which maybe builds a little bit of hope. <sighs> but let's have a look at Freo. Let's deep dive slightly. And the big talking point of this game is obviously going to be the Rucks. No TDK. No Pitonet. Worked last week with the combination of Lewis Young and Jack Silvani. Jack Silvani had an incredible game. Come up against a lot harder rucks. Probably the number one or number two ruck combination in Luke Jackson and Sean Darcy. Two big behemoths. It is going to be tough for us to try and nullify that. Even if we did have our best ruckman out there, we don't have them. We don't have a recognized ruckman playing against them, which is very concerning. And when I touch on Jack Silvani, my worry around him this week, what he did really well in that Hawthorne game was his ability to work around the ground. And it it wasn't necessarily his hitouts. It was everything else he was able to do. Worried a little bit with obviously Fremantle having a bit better of a midfield than Hawthorne d- did. But then it's, it, it's the size of the rucks and it's what a Sean Darcy and a Luke Jackson will do because of their size, because of their physicality, will they allow Silvani to have that influence at the ground level or are they going to beat him up and make sure that around the ball is just not going to have that opportunity because of the physicality that they're going to bring. So that's going to be really interesting to watch whether Jack can win that ascendancy at ground level because we know he's not going to be able to do it in the air. Same for Lewis Young. We're pretty much just going to lose the hitouts in this game comprehensively. So what can we do to nullify that? And the other part of this for me from the rucks is the mids. We saw against Hawthorne the ability for our midfield to really work hard. They knew coming into that game that knowing you're losing the tap, you pretty much have to read it and expect to lose and, and work three times as hard to make sure that you can nullify the opposition winning clearances and then do enough around the ground. And that's where I think we saw such selflessness this teamwork come out and his midfield cover the ground better than i've seen them move the ball faster and better than i have seen us do it but it's going to be a lot tougher this week because Fremantle's midfield of you just name a few brayshaw sarong omira they've got better players around it they're not going to make it easy for us so how do you win it out of there but you look at our midfield and crips walsh chera and chera at, at optus he seems to play a lot better there You've got players that Kennedy, Doherty moving across that acres. You've got players that can do it. So I think our midfield can be better than theirs. They just have to earn it. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see if they can back it up this week. That's going to be a big thing for me. 
If you look at their defense, they are the fifth ranked team in the competition for rebound inside 50s. And a lot of that comes from Luke Ryan. He's been incredible this year, his ability to roll off, intercept, and start the run. Hayden Young, someone as well that they get the ball straight in his hands and he's a really good rebound player. So they can transition the ball really well if we're not onto it. This is where midfield work and delivering the ball inside 50 is such a massive thing for us. Last two weeks, we've shown this willingness to, to work, create space, make the dummy leads and get marks inside 50 and then create a better opportunity. Lower the eyes. Don't just kick it from 60 and take that set shot. We'll find a better option inside 50. Fremantle won't allow that as much. And if we're not playing how we have the last two weeks, if we're not lowering the eyes and delivering inside 50 well, they're just going to chop it off every single time it enters. So we have to be smarter with our decision making. But again, there's an opportunity there. I still think that they maybe won't be able to go with our Tolls, when you look at Harrow, when you look at Charlie, if we move it quick, we can absolutely dominate in that area. Looking at Frio's forward line, this is where I'm maybe a bit more worried if I looked at all three lines. Obviously, the ruck is a bit of an issue, but I trust our midfield maybe enough to, to work hard enough to <laughs> negate that. But their forward line, while they don't have the big tools to maybe get it done, it's, it's the smalls that create so much for them. They're, they're fourth in the competition for tackles inside 50, which means they bring the pressure. And when you look at who scores goals for Frio, Amos is their leading goal kicker at 29. And while he's a bit of a key forward, he's so much more athletic and he moves around so much more. He's got a bit of pace about him. Hard matchup. I'm assuming it'll be a weedering maybe that goes to him, tries to lock him down. Again, you stop the source. It makes this so much easier but he, he's been causing some difficulties for other defenses just because he's not your traditional key forward because he moves a little bit more athletically. But it's it's everyone else that is the worry for me. You look at Walters, kicks 25. Schultz, 19, always plays well against us. Fredericks had 17. Swikowski with 10. They've got these small dynamic forwards, which when you look at the games we've struggled in, which in fairness is a lot of them this season, They've been these small dynamic forwards. We haven't really had a lot of answers for them. I think you're going to have to see Newman really lock down on maybe a Walters or a Schultz and and Sarda to maybe take the other with his pace, make him maybe accountable going the other way. Our small defenders have really got to nail this. Brody Kemp, a big one for him. How can he intercept, roll off, and, and maybe make one of those smalls accountable in that way with our rebound. We've got to take the game on from defense and we've got guys like Boyd. We've got guys like Chincotta that can do that. Even Doherty, obviously, Saad. So how do we utilize that? And, and the way McGovern can can position himself to intercept knowing that maybe he's only taking a Tracy or a Luke Jackson, obviously big bodies, but maybe not as mobile. So can we exploit it by having our defenders be that more athletic, use it against them in that way? But that's the worry for me. It's definitely going to be the way that they will move the ball inside 50. And, and can we really negate their smalls? Because maybe I'll, I'll eat my words on this, but I'm not really worried about their tools as much. It's definitely their smalls. And I think that that is how they play. And it's, it's interesting. They've kind of played similarly to us this season where they tried to be a bit more defensive at the start of this season, tried to play a slower brand of football, didn't work. They were quicker to adjust than us. And 
clearly they've been playing better football than us in this position, but they're definitely a beatable team. You saw Richmond go over there and beat them. So this is a massively winnable game for us. It's just going to be a big test to see what we are. Are we this team from the first 14 seasons that we can beat the easy team, but when it comes to it, when a decent team brings the pressure, we falter? Or have we turned the corner? And when you look at the game style, I think there's been a bit of a turning, even even the Essendon game to an extent, and a little bit to that Sydney game. There were elements of it. Because when we beat those poor teams in a GWS, in a, in a North Melbourne we didn't play this way that we're currently playing. So maybe that gives me a little bit of hope. But let me know your thoughts on the matchup. Who's going to play on who? What are you worried about from Frio? And where are the areas that we can take this game on? And where are we going to get the win? Let me know in the comments on YouTube or if you're listening, where you get your podcast. Hit us up at, at socials, at Navy Blue Corner. But let's get into the listener questions because I put this out on Twitter. I put this out on Instagram. I'm going to answer them for you guys. Our first one comes from Jacqueline Hunt. She asks, against the Hawks, we played as a team, knock-ons, shepherds, moving the ball forward and players being there for others. Good forward entries and sharing the goal kicking. If we do the same versus Frio, do we have a chance? And I think you kind of nail it because that's kind of what I touched on earlier, talking about this selfless and, and fast brand of football that we've seen in the last two weeks. And if we're able to take this game on and play this way, I think we can exploit Frio. If the midfielder able to dig in, we can definitely do it. But it's how we react when we come up against a good team. We've failed every single time this year. Can we turn it around? That's going to be the big question, but I think you nailed it. Those are the things we have to do. It's pretty simple. Bring the pressure. You look at last week as well. So I just had this thought of the tackle pressure against Hawthorne. If that's there from the start against Frio, that gives you the platform and get the jump on them. Maybe like you do against the Gold Coast, particularly in that second quarter, you make it impossible for Frio and as hard as possible for them to get back into the game. And and yeah, it's it's all about that that teamwork, I think, that we haven't seen that will be the likelihood of us winning. We get another one here from Julian Rose. who says, during the year, most Carlton supporters have been very frustrated with the team's performances. However, I think it's been missed that Carlton has had its healthiest list in years. Do you think the improved injury list could be a big factor in whether we make finals or not? And it's an interesting point. I mean, potentially, but you could argue it the other way where most of this season we've had pretty clean bill of health and we haven't been able to perform right now the injuries to the rucks have been really frustrating it's a position we don't have a lot of depth in and we kind of need these guys to be healthy and when they're not it means Lewis Young's in the ruck which is something you don't really want to be seeing so it can definitely play a big role in it. it gives us the platform we probably haven't had in previous years where the midfield seems healthy defenders seem healthy to an extent, the forwards, that's the platform. The opportunity's there for sure. Do they take it? It's up to them. And until we kind of see enough against a team like Frio, even though it's away, I guess we can't be too convinced just yet. But I agree. I think that is a big factor. Now, I've got one from Harrison Petkovic who says, when are we going to get to see a Bins debut? Which is funny because when we get to the team changes, obviously he's not in the team this week. He's doing just about everything he can to get a spot in this team and I'm not sure now that Hollands is potentially back this week playing in the VFL. Does that make it harder for a guy like bins? And I'm not, 
I guess I'm not ridiculously annoyed with the fact he's not playing. I like the idea of uh, not having to play a draftee in their first year, being able to actually develop them because this is something we've never done. We've never gone, hey, here's two years to develop in the twos, learn your craft, earn your spot, and then you come in as a ready-made AFL player. Other teams do this really well. We've never had the opportunity to really do it. Maybe they're trying to do that with a bins. Maybe there's little things that he isn't doing right now. But when you look at maybe a Cottrell having that week off with the suspension, it was probably the perfect time. He's doing just about everything. He's kicking goals. He, he's commanding the, the ball on that wing. Incredible work rate both ways. I'd love to see it at some stage this season. He's definitely earned it in my book. At least one or two games in a row, give him a little bit of a taste. I don't know. This other wing rotation's maybe working really well with a Doherty, with a Walsh going through there. Maybe they've seen something that they don't want to tinker with too much. Who knows? But I think we can all agree we'd love to see Bins out there at some stage this season. Another question from Mark DT asks, can we actually use our newfound pace and spread to push them on the big ground and kick a big score? Or will we see a horrid grinded out game with both teams having scoring issues throughout the year. And it's interesting. It feels like this is almost the way it's been with Frio and us. There hasn't been a lot of these free-flowing games, both teams playing scrappy, playing quite defensive. And and it's something that Frio have have definitely tried to do a bit this year of getting that defensive component of their game. How do we negate that? It comes back to that pace, like like you're mentioning, Mark. And I think we can use it. It's a big ground, as you mentioned, which gives us the space to be able to do it. It's work rate, it's commitment, it's mentality. The things we've probably questioned them on the most this season, Get the, nail those and it can happen. I hope it's the first thing you mentioned there. I hope we're able to do it and it's not going to be a grind-out game because it's going to be boring. But if it does happen, if this is a grinded-out game, let me know in the comments on YouTube. Let me know at Navy Blue Corner on any social media you are on if it is close. And it gets to another Jack Nunes moment. It gets to another Mark Murphy with seconds to go. The sidestep, the banana. Who is going to be the person this week against Frio to put themselves in the history books as the match-winning goal? Let me know if it's an after-the-siren goal, if it's a last-second in-play goal. Who is the person you think will get it done for us this week? I'd love to know. Hopefully, it's not another thriller and it's a big win for the Blues. But however we get the win, I will be happy. We've got a question from Soros Boy who says, Pierce has a really good record against Harry. How can we negate Pierce and try to get the best out of Harry in this game? Really, really good question. Matchup-wise, he has been really good, and he's a good defender. Harry, what I think can fix this is, is Harry just needs to work. And I feel like I've said work rate a million times in this episode so far, but what has been a strength of Harry this year has been his ability to push up the ground and take those contested marks and then wheel and go played probably one of his better games against Hawthorne last week in doing that in really stretching the ground, creating space for the small mid-sized forwards and, and Charlie deeper. That's the way to do it. It clears the space for Charlie. So even if he's maybe not getting the influence, getting those marks, getting those goals, at least he can clear the space, which is, is how we need to do this. We can't be letting Luke Ryan take these intercepts. So to clear out that forward 50 is the way to do it. And yeah, I think that's kind of it. Everyone needs to play their part and create those little dummy leads, create 
those better shots. How many times did we get those little marks on the edge of 50 and we're just able to keep chipping it to find a better option 20, 30 meters in front of goal? I think if you, if you do this, ball comes in quick enough, you can be the best defender in the world and you're not going to be able to deal with it. So I think that's how we do it. Uh, good question here from Genus Species who says, Harry's, he asks, has Harry been in better all-round game form than Charlie in the last month, which is quite interesting to think about with all this, all the drama and stuff that, that Harry has copped. Whereas maybe Charlie's been a bit down as well and we haven't heard as much because he's probably been maybe taking some more chances in front of goal. But I don't know. I think, I think Harry's around-the-ground stuff's definitely been there. We sort of dropped off, and that's probably meant that Charlie's dropped off just because the service probably wasn't there. So maybe you can argue that. I'd say, I don't know, maybe I'm fence-sitting. I don't think it's been that big of a drop-off. I think it's just been the way we've maybe played and moved the ball, whereas definitely in that Gold Coast game you saw the best of Charlie. And even last week, I, I still think you saw a really good Charlie Kerno ends up getting tactically subbed out of the game. I think he was potentially a little bit sick. Maybe makes sense why he wasn't his best. But I think apart from Harry's kicking, which has maybe improved in the last few games, he has been good as well. But let me know if you think that Harry's been in better form with you and Charlie's been in better form. It's definitely a good question. Hopefully they can both just get back into great form and we don't have to worry about it. But that question is the perfect segue into talking about Charlie Kerno because it is his 100th game this week, which it's kind of weird when you think about it when a fair few years ago on Optus against Frio, Charlie does his knee which started was the beginning of all these issues really. And so to be back here for his hundredth, I don't know. Is there something in that? Has the universe done something there? Not a massive believer in that kind of stuff, but you have to think about it and what a journey it's been for Charlie. I think we all kind of thought definitely at a lot of stages that this guy may never play again. And that wasn't a ridiculous thing to think. And even if you thought he could come back, what were we getting? Were we getting, a shadow of his former self or was he going to be able to turn it around? And I think just for him to not only come back, but then to win the Coleman in his first season to be even better than he was pre-injury. Look, it's a testament to, to not only his just ability in general as a footballer, but his pure commitment, his dedication to improve, to work, to get him to where he is today, just resilient. And this guy, he's just special. He's a special player. He's a special human. And, He's, he's a rare he's a rare species. Not many people in the AFL and even at Carlton just have this unique ability to just galvanize the fan base when he gets the ball, when he kicks a goal, just gets you out of his out of your seat. And not many other players in in football can do that. And he's just he's incredibly special as a player. So proud to have him as a bagger. And let's hope he can have a massive one in game 100 because it's a big milestone. He's been through everything. And I, you, I don't think he's ever taken this for granted. And you can see him working for it, knowing that it could have been the end. Tomorrow could be the end. You never know what could happen in life. And you can definitely see him playing like every game's his last. It's incredible. Keen for a Drop it in the comments, actually. Let me know at Navy Blue Corner how many is Charlie kicking in game 100. But another big milestone this week from another big battler who's had to do it the hard way in Nick Newman, who plays his 100th game as well. Someone at the start of the season, I stupidly didn't have in my best 22. Lockie was absolutely roasting me for that one. And look, I had him just outside. He was thereabouts, but he's proven me wrong. And I'm happy to say that. Mr. Reliable, 
He's really the one in the defense week to week. You get that consistency from. He he does the little things. He's not that flashy player that's going to rebound off and, and have those amazing runs down the wing. He's not going to take these big intercept marks. Just does the simple things. And as that small defender, he pretty much does all the dirty work, all the defensive stuff. It really allows the rest to shine around him. A, a real selfless player is Nick Newman, and I've absolutely loved what he's done this year. And he's just been an incredible asset to this defense and this team really ever since he crossed across from Sydney. And yeah, two big milestones. So let's really hope that these boys can get up and about, get it done for them. God, they both deserve it. And really proud for these two to share this moment together. Let's talk about team changes. And that will pretty much wrap up this match build-up show. And team changes are interesting. I think if we go with what I would have done, would have been pretty, pretty simple. And pretty similar, I guess, in the end. I kind of had two different thoughts with it. My first was my ideal changes, which would have been in comes Bins, out is Ed Kerno with Cottrell as the sub. Now, Bins comes in for that wing cover. You've got Doc, you've got Walsh, you've got Cunners that are kind of rotating on one with Akers basically being the other. And I like maybe Bins throwing into that. It protects him a little bit knowing there's other options. It's also versatile enough. He can rest and play a half forward that he has as a junior and a little bit for the VFL team, get that forward time, get that time on the wing. But you've got other experienced guys out there. You're not throwing him to the wolves. It's a big ground, so there's a lot of space for him to occupy and kind of enjoy it out there. So I like that idea. And some would have maybe just said Cottrell gets that spot, but weirdly I think he's the most ideal sub that we have. We don't use the tactical sub enough. And in the COVID year, it was the greatest sub we've ever had. And I just think that this guy would have won the All-Australian if we had an All-Australian sub spot last year. And he's really the only one that I think can come on and, and make an impact with his pace, with his hunger, with just absolute craziness that is Matty Cottrell. Weirdly, I'd probably want him in the team over Bins, but I want him as the sub more than anything else just because I think he's the only one we have that can play that role and use it tactically rather than having a big body midfielder in there. So that was my idea. My other one, and and maybe this is just me being sentimental, which isn't a thing I tend to do, but it maybe would have just been Cottrell in and then Ed is the sub or Ed in Cottrell the sub because it's Charlie's 100th. And if we're going to have Ed around, if he's going to be in the team like he was last week and for a lot of this season, if there's one week to have him in, God, it's this week with Charlie. Celebrate the 100th together. The the brothers, it just would have been beautiful to see. I think that's kind of what, where I would have gone with it. I'm not a sentimental man, but it kind of makes sense if we're, if we're going to have him in so much this season. God, you do it for his 100th, surely. But the team changes in the end are Cottrell in, Ed out. So maybe similar to what I was thinking Sub has not been announced, will not be announced until really game day. But the option is between George Hewitt, Ed Kerno, Lockie Cowan, Jesse Motlop. Let me know in the comments who you want the sub to be or at Navy Blue Corner on any of our social medias, who you want the sub to be. It's probably, I think I want it to be Ed. Yeah, make it Ed. It's either him or Hewitt for me. Ed can maybe play a few more roles and yeah, screw it. Have some fun. 100th game. For Charlie, let Ed be there to, to celebrate in it. But yeah, the team changes. Really, the main thing is the ruck. TDK doesn't get up for it. Pitt and it doesn't get up for it. You can't really do a lot else with the rucks. And that's the battle. That is really the battle 
of this game. It's what the midfield can do. It's what the rucks can get out of it for me. And whether we've got the mentality, whether we've got the drive to turn this around and show that last two weeks is the new Carlton. And we can push Frio, whether we get the win or not, that this is the new way that we play and whether they they push us back, whether they bring the pressure and it's backs against the wall. Can this team continue to play the way we want to play or do we all of a sudden when the pressure comes, do we wilter? That's what, I, that's what I want to find out this week. And hopefully it's not that we will die. It's that we turn it on and get the win. But the last thing I want to say from this match build-up show is I've got to do one last plug because we're over in WA, which means there will be a massive WA Blues function as always. And if you're heading over there from wherever you are or if you are from WA, you need to get to the pre-match function because the WA Blues do an incredible job and – they make it easy for you. If you're going to Optus, it's at the cam field. It's literally at the bloody ground. Get there, 11.30 a.m. The function goes from 11.30 till 2 p.m. It's a gold coin donation. It's practically free to walk in there. Find your pocket change. Go in. Enjoy yourself. There's guest speakers from the club that'll be there, and they've got some lovely. They've got a raffle prize as well, a signed and framed Sam Doherty jumper. And then they've got two beautiful auction items as well, a signed and framed Charlie Kerno jumper and a Patrick Cripps one. Mate, plenty to go on there. And if you just want to go and have a chat with some like-minded baggers before the game, it's the place to be if you're there. If you've headed over, if you are from WA, make sure to get to the cam field at 11.30 a.m. for the WA Blues function. It's a great time. I'm jealous I'm not over there this year. I normally make the trek for a Frio game. I've been able to see a Mark Murphy absolute marvellous win there. And I'll tell you what, those are the moments you need to do. So if you're there, get to the Camfield, 11.30 a.m. That's my plug. But yes, that's pretty much going to wrap up my match build-up episode. I'll be back for a review of this that'll be out Tuesday morning or very late Monday night. I'm going to see if I can get Lockie on. Depends where he is over in Europe and whether the time zones work. But worst case, I'm going to get a guest. You're not just going to have to listen to me talk absolute nonsense for an hour and a half. You're going to get a guest on this one. So it'll be very exciting. We'll be back here early next week after the Blues have shown that we're good again, that we've beaten the Frio Dockers. Up the baggers. See you guys next time.